But how I felt afterwards, obviously bittersweet. I think it's it's very difficult to write those emails to people saying, look, we were about to close, but I learned a lot. I think hopefully also Paperness learned a lot about what to do, what not to do. And it was honestly very challenging and that's entrepreneurship. that helps you open and thrive in foreign markets. Steve here speaking, and today's episode is a little bit special. Instead of speaking about a success story, we will speak about a learning one. See how I didn't use the word failure here? Anywho, we will share the launching journey of Germany by Papernest with today's guest, Shiris Bolbecker, who was their country launcher in charge of partnerships. One year and a half of learnings detailed in the next 40 minutes just for you, my dear listeners. You can expect to hear about how outbound was difficult despite being their home market lead acquisition strategy, the other acquisition channels that they used, and of course, the learnings they wish they knew at the start of their journey that maybe would have prevented them from posing the partnership activities there. Now, the question is, are you ready? Hi, Shiraz. Welcome to International Corner. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, my pleasure. So before we dig into today's story about the German market and paper nest. And I'm really excited because for once, it's really going to be about learnings, right? Because sometimes it's not as successful as we want to. So it's important also to learn from that. But before digging into that, could you perhaps introduce yourself to the audience, your role and paper nest? Yes, of course. So um, I basically joined paper nest in March, 2021. Um, I joined them as a country launcher for the German market, launching their partnerships. I will explain later what that implies. But just generally, I'm half French, half German. Um, important to know, I've done a lot of internships in marketing, advertising, VC. But uh, this was the my first full-time city job experience um, at Papernest. And I did leave the company in May of this year. Perfect. So just for the audience, um, when we say CD, it's like full-time employee because we also have uh, non-French speakers. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm sorry. No, no worries at all. It's just, you know, like uh, uh, I'd rather like uh, precise it for everyone. Perfect. And all right. So obviously PaperNet, their headquarter is in France, right? But you guys are internationally spread out, m must I say. So could you tell us more about what is the international scope of Paperness today? Sure, of course. Maybe I'll just refresh what Paperness is and what they do just quickly to have a little grasp on that. Yeah. Um, Paperness main value proposition to say is to help B2C clients set up their utilities when they move. So it can be electricity, gas, internet, mobile, home insurance, everything you need to transfer when you move with basically only one person, one interlocutor to speak to, to make it easier for you and to save money. Um, 
Exactly. Maybe just a few words on the business model as well so that everybody knows how, how it works. Absolutely. Um, Exactly. So Papernest works with a large amount of providers, whether it's energy providers, internet, insurance, and basically they remunerate Papernest for each client they bring um, in the form of a commission. So the, the French word of that is apporteur d'affaires, um, but that's basically how, how the model is, um, is working. And yeah, exactly. About the international scope, you're right. Papernest is uh, is quite big. Um, their headquarters are officially based in Paris, but they do have a very big part of a uh, very big office in Barcelona, where most of the team is currently based. They also have um, an office in Reims, uh, in France, and um, another office in Warsaw. All right. And you touched upon something that's very interesting. I think you said that you're in charge of partnerships, right? But there's, I think, some specificities as well, because it's also, I mean, it could also be just what we also call business development. Could you perhaps like, just for the audience to understand, touch upon that a little bit, like um, what does that entail specifically when you talk about like partnerships, because it also looks like they could be your direct clients. No, exactly. Um, you're completely right. And it makes sense to, to make that clear. So just to go back to how Papernest acquires the B2C clients, they basically have three acquisition strategies. The first one being SEO, so search engine optimization. So Papernest writes a lot of content about how to switch your energy contracts, news about the energy sector, what to do when you move, etc. Um, the second channel would be SEA, so through Google Ads and and many other of those tools. And the third and biggest acquisition channel today, at least when I was at Papernest a year ago, was the partnerships. Um, and basically the goal uh, of this department is to partner with a lot of different entities that will help Papernest get clients essentially and help them with their move. And one of those big partnerships channels, let's say, is the real estate sector. So Papernest works with a very large amount of real estate agencies and real estate networks. And it's a bit of a volume game, especially when it comes to agency. The idea is to close as many real estate agencies as possible um, so that they basically recommend Papernest to their clients once they move, once they buy a house or rent a house, they can then refer Papernest and tell them how helpful we can be in their move. And that's basically how it works. Okay, just to like for a little bit more of like precisions, um, when you say closing the real estate agent, do you mean that at the end of the day, you have a contract that's established between you and them and they have to pay you something? Yes. So basically what closing means in that context, so it's a B2B2C context basically, is um, the business model there is that if a real estate agent's brings us a client, so has an interesting client who would like to switch their contracts with Papernest or subscribe to contracts with Papernest, then we basically share the commission that Papernest receives from the provider with the real estate company. So here again, it's, it's a commission sharing model. So we actually give them money for bringing us a client, if that makes sense. Well, that sounds like a sweet deal to me. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm even more eager to dig into uh, why this model hasn't been as fruitful, you know, uh, I would say, as you guys have wanted to. <laughs> Very curious. 
if we go there, I guess, and if we dig into the story of the German markets, now, if we talk about now, like Paperness has posed their activity on the partnership side after a year and a half or so uh, trying to get there using that channel. Let's maybe just take a step back, right? So you just arrived at Paperness. It's, you know, your first few weeks in the job. What was the state of the business there when you started the mission for the German market? Like, were there any, I don't know, customers already? Did you, like, were you working with a marketing budget? Like, could you tell us more about what was the state when you just started there for the German market? Sure, of course. So that's going to be very easy because at this point in time, literally nothing had happened. So I arrived, we had no German customers. We had zero employees working on the market. I was literally the first person to come on board to, to launch the, the German partnership side. And in terms of budget as well, we no real marketing budget at that point was allocated to Germany because it was viewed as a test. And the only budget we were, Paperness was basically willing to give out was the commissions we would then pay out to real estate agents if they decided to work with us and send us their leads, essentially. Okay, and maybe like a, a quick question, but so you coming in there and basically having not, I would say, so much budget, so much support on that. How did you, you know, like, how did you approach it? How did you start everything? That's a good question. So basically how I started is, I think the first phase for about a month or so was a lot of research. So as I said, I was not very cultured about the real estate or the energy sector for that matter. So there was a lot of research I needed to do. And also the company itself needed to know about the, comp the competitors out there, if there were any um, research, the energy sector, the real estate sector, are there a lot of small, big agencies. So I really needed to look at these things to understand how to who to approach, first of all. Was it real estate agencies? Was it somebody else? And, um, and obviously how we were going to do it. As to the how, I think it's important here to say that Paperness has essentially most of the time entered its market through a lot of, let's say, sales activity. So a lot of cold calling. So it always started like that. And then Obviously, it took different forms and shapes, but I knew that what I needed to do basically was to very quickly grasp and put together a credible pitch for German real estate agencies um, and essentially just pick up my phone and start calling them and see how they would react to our products. Um, so that was basically most of it. And obviously, part of it was also in translating our product to German, making sure we do have a working landing page, a little bit of package of information to send our real estate agents. And I think another thing that was quite important is we have a so-called B2B2C product. So when the real estate agent has an interesting client, an interested client, he will then send us the details and the information of this client through a web app that we put in place on the other markets. So I needed to also adapt this web application to make sure they had an interface to communicate um, client information to us. And yeah, and essentially then start scrapping databases and start calling, as I said, and understand what the situation is and if the product um, sticks. Okay. So just if I'm trying to sum up what you just said, basically, so you started with, uh, like most of us, I think when we start like in a new market, like a market research phase, right? Try to understand competitors, the landscape, uh, try to understand like where the, mm -hmm. or what the right entry door might be. 
uh, then obviously starting to have a few calls to understand how you can pitch the solution, rework on that on your side internally, and then package, as, as you said, because you have like such a specific context, like B2B2C, it was about like how you can also think about like a pre-package of information that you can give the real estate agent so that them, themselves, they would be able to talk about it to their own clients, right? Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a two-sided situation. Exactly. It's first of all, how are we going to explain to them that this product is going to be game changer for them, but mm -hmm. also for their clients and obviously make up also a pitch for them to, to, to grasp the client interest as well. Are clients going to be interested in such a product? Do they already have everything out there and don't need something like that? So we needed to also build a convincing pitch for their clients. Exactly. Okay. And then I guess the two last steps, as you mentioned, uh, obviously bring some insights back to product so that we could, uh, you know, have the product that also answer, I guess, like the needs and eventually starting, right? Just doing outbound and see what happens. Exactly. That's most of uh, what happened. My first calls were very much test calls, um, test demos to show the product, to understand the feedback. There were some things that we really needed to adapt, others that worked. And once we had, let's say, a good MVP of a web app, obviously we, we didn't have the time nor the possibilities to develop all the features of the web app for the German market. We just needed a basic product and take feedback and do outbound sales. Exactly. Okay. And so if I may ask for the outbound sales part, um, what were the metrics that you were following? Uh, because I'm guessing that based on uh, other market data that Paperness had back in the days, uh, you must have had some amount, you know, of key indicators to follow. Um, yeah. So I had basically my, my main KPI was obviously how many um, interested agencies we would have, um, how many of those would convert into a demo, and how many of those would send us leads. So these were obviously the main KPIs we were following. To be fair, as every market is very different, there wasn't a very precise objective we needed to reach. So we obviously tried to build objectives, but we always had to review them because it was very hard to anticipate whether or not those um, objectives were going to be met. But, um, but essentially, yeah, I was looking at the number of agencies we closed. Closed for us was a term to say they have seen the product, they like it, they want to offer it to the client. And the second step is obviously how many leads they send us in a month's time most of the time. It's usually on a monthly basis for this industry because obviously it depends on there's periods where there will be a lot more sales or a lot more rentals typically in September after holidays uh, when people are looking to find a new flat so it would we knew that it was going to be cyclical and seasonal but um, but exactly that was basically the KPIs we looked at okay so that's how you started and then did you try other I would say like strategy right like uh, during your like year and a half almost um, what worked what didn't work I want to say Yeah, no, for sure. I think um, this was the starting point. After three months, we sat down and thought, okay, what, what's happening? Um, at this point, we had called a large volume of real estate agencies, or may I say I had called. Um, we closed, let's say, about 50 of them. But the problem we were facing is that we, we just 
weren't having enough leads coming in. We didn't have enough agencies proactively offering paperness every single time and clients being happy about it and wanting to test it. So I think at this point, we kind of sat down and the main problems we identified was, first of all, we have a lack of visibility and with that also a lack of credibility. People don't know our brand. They look us up online at this point. We had no SEO that had started. Um, so that was one problem. The second problem we had identified was the fact that um, we weren't really speaking to the right targets. Mm -hmm. we, realized, we realized very quickly that real estate agencies, they don't have time. They don't really want to focus on service. So we thought, okay, let's look into other companies. We thought of property management companies, relocation companies. Those were way more interested in, in our product, mostly because they often help their clients look for these type of solutions. Um, Fortunately, unfortunately, we realized that a bit late. But anyway, and then we realized I was also alone. So we needed to hire at least one or two inside sales to help me do the cold calling part for me to move on to bigger real estate networks. Maybe those were more interested. Maybe those were more strategic thinking, were more service oriented and would enjoy it. So, so that's just, what we did. So just quick question. When you mentioned, so lack of visibility, lack of credibility, and probably like not speaking to the right target, these were like the three learnings you got after the three months mark? It was the learnings we had after the three to four months the mark. Three to exactly. Four months. Okay. Okay. Exactly. And then basically what we did is we did have an SEO team in place at Papernest for new markets. Mm -hmm. We dedicated, I think, one or two people to launching SEO on the German market. Um, It didn't help immediately because, as you may know, SEO takes a lot of time to work. Typically, the way Papernest works, it takes sometimes six to eight months to um, to really show how fruitful it is. So we started that at least, but that didn't bring any immediate results. Um, and for the lack of visibility and credibility, I realized it's not enough to just look into, obviously, these types of partnerships, which are real estate agencies, which are acquisition partnerships, so to say. We also needed more branding partnerships or other types of partnerships that would kind of create visibility. So I went up to real estate associations that were very important in Germany or in a few regions that we were looking at and tried to talk to these people and understand if we could partner with them. Um, I also looked into online medias that would speak about real estate solutions, speak about products that we could be referenced in to kind of show that we have some credibility or that some actors that are kind of big in the game believe in, believe in our model. So I did that a lot. And one thing I also realized really helped is going to, um, to fairs. Germany is a country where fairs are very big. If you want to meet people that are very high up, in my case, in the real estate sector that are really at the head of real big networks, this is where you need to go. This is where they'll give you those 10 to 15 minutes to understand what you're about, exchange a card and have a conversation in the future. So these were, I say, the things that we did that, that worked the best. I just wanted to add here because what you said is very interesting. And I think that across my many conversations right now, either that being on this podcast or out of the podcast, because I just love so much this topic, I think this is one recurring topic that always come up is how can you build influence at the beginning because you're a nobody there. There are already 
well-known actors and what you said about uh, everything around branding, right? So like trying to get known by association, trying to find the network that will then, you know, talk about you to have like word of mouth, basically trying to find those referrals, right? But like almost like free referrals that will get you in front of the doors that are bound can't get you uh, right now, right? Because when you start at the beginning, it's very hard if people don't know you. And as you mentioned, online media, like PR as well, like those are like definitely ways sometimes, depending on your target market, you could use. And obviously, fairs, fairs is a big, big one. And uh, I think you were on the on the right track there, for sure. No, exactly, for sure. That really helped to kind of look beyond um, what our scope was and see how Essentially, we could be more credible through through different kind of ways. Definitely. <laughs> so that was so those you know like that you just mentioned. Basically, um, timeline wise, where were we in that journey? At this point, I think we were about nine months in. Okay. So we had onboarded our two interns that were still doing the cold calling bit, that were still interacting with bigger networks, and then there was me working on these type of partnerships and also talking with bigger networks. So having also a bigger target to speak to, which I think was very interesting for us. And also I would say brought a little bit of a result to kind of tell you, I think probably 10 to 11 months in, we sat down and looked a bit at how things that had evolved since uh -huh. we had invested into more workforce, invested into different strategies. And basically at this point we were having about a hundred real estate companies that were onboarded um through the inside sales calls okay. um it was already not too bad because we used the fact that we were associated to these associations and to these medias to to gain credibility and we really saw that it helped also just in our cold calling experience in our so just, outbound sales experience so just to make mm -hmm. sure again for like global understanding when you say um a hundred real estate companies that are on board do you mean as in partners uh or, or do you mean as in on board you know and then bringing revenue actually bringing some some, some revenue so on board at this point meant that they were actively proposing paper nest to their clients when they were buying a house or or buying an apartment or renting but basically some of them were bringing us leads some of them didn't and i think that was our main problem when we said on board is all of them knew how the product worked Uh, all of them were offering it to their clients, at least they would say so. But I think the main problem we still had at this point with those smaller real estate agencies that we were cold calling is that it was hard to to put it into their habits and it was hard for them to to essentially just send us clients and bring revenue at this point. Okay, I see. So that, that was 10 to 12 months mark. And at this stage, what was the conclusion? Did you... Did you manage to say, okay, you know, maybe now we need to, again, try something different. So being like in an iteration process or what was the conclusion of this 10 to 12 months mark when you guys sat down together? So the conclusion was that I think it it's part of Paperness's way of working to keep calling those smaller agencies. So that was still part of our workforce was still dedicated to doing that or to interns. Um, the conclusion was that the conversation with bigger actors was going better. Uh, we realized that we had a few property management firms that were big, that were interested. We had even closed, I think a year in, we had closed three medium-sized relocation companies. We were about to close one big relocation actor. So we saw things were moving. 
and the partnerships we had closed, the branding partnerships also helped. But I guess a few things happen at this point is, first of all, I don't think we were moving fast enough, especially on those small ones. And another thing really happened is that the energy crisis came about at this point. And the main product we would help B2C clients with was subscribing or switching your electricity or your gas contract when you were moving. And at this point, the crisis was being so bad, especially in Germany um, and also in the UK, that basically the prices had gone up so significantly that for us, telling clients to change a contract was basically nothing positive. They would be paying more if they had switched their energy contract than staying with their original provider, even though back in the days it would have been cheaper. So we didn't really much have an offer at this point to to give the clients because their best interest was to just to stay with your current offer. So that happened as well. So I think that was a very difficult part. Also, I think priorities had also shifted for the sea level. A lot of things were happening in the French market at this point, positive things for paperness. So all in all, I think this led to a decision for us, the German markets, to pause the partnerships. Mm -hmm. Maybe they will come back at some point. But these were, I think, all the reasons that brought them to think, okay, maybe the timing is not right. And maybe we should rethink a way of approaching this because it was it is a very different country from the others they had approached, which were Spain, Italy, that maybe have the same mentality a little bit. Germany was very different and needed a different approach, in my opinion. Okay, and we will come back to that. First, I just wanted to understand a little bit more. Basically, earlier you said our conclusions are that it's not moving fast enough on the on the small real estate agencies. You have energy crisis and priorities have shifted at the HQ for the C-level. Going just to the first one, when you said it wasn't moving fast enough, do you do you mean that it's because you know of the energy crisis that perhaps it wasn't moving fast enough or for other factors? I think there were different factors. I think my opinion is I don't think the small real estate agencies were our target. We targeted them because they had been targeted that way in all the other international markets that Paperness launched. So initially, this is just what we went for. Real estate agencies, it's going to work. We realized that most of them are focused on sales. So they didn't have a lot of clients. They had some clients, but that obviously were looking for a long-time investment. There wasn't much turnover and not many occasions to offer paperness. When we went to property management firms and relocation firms, we realized that these were more prone to offer paperness. But the market there was also very diffused. Every agency, every small agency would only do this many rentals a year. So we there wasn't much potential there, in my opinion. Um, I think there was this maybe stubbornness, if I may say, to think, okay, this worked in the other countries, so we need to keep digging that. But I think we should have explored more the bigger networks that have a more strategic thinking and a more service-oriented thinking. And trying that, it started to, to really work. But I think there was this, I think there was a need for them to, to, to also see that having an army of sales prospecting agencies would also work in one way. Okay. Yeah. It's, I think that's one of the, of the, biggest and, and, and toughest decisions when, when you start going abroad, uh, the, I would say like the tendency is to, to start exactly the same way as you would do for your mature markets. And sometimes it works, right? Like for instance, even here at Witco, like we've seen good results uh, doing 
exactly the same way in France and in Spain, for instance. But we clearly see that in, in other markets like the UK or the US, you know, that I'm in charge of, like completely different and same for the German market. Like everything that you're saying, I'm quite aligned actually with that. Like it's a market of influence, of partnerships. Like you really have to get known by the right circle of people, the right networks. This will definitely help. And then after, like once you get to that stage where you get a little bit known, maybe, you know, like the album efforts get a little bit smoother. But what I'm really interested in digging right now is that now that you know or that you've lived through like this year and a half with all this knowledge and, and all the things that perhaps you could have done differently, if you were to basically just do it all over again, like what would be your game plan to, to enter the, the German market? Um, I think if I were to do it all over again, um, the, I think the first step I would definitely take is spend more time on research And by research, I don't mean stick your head into the books and read articles. I mean research calls with people from the industry, focus groups with clients, just a bit more research to understand where clients are at and how the industry functions. If we had done that, in my opinion, we would have realized way more in advance that we were not targeting the right customer target, essentially. So that's something I would do. Um, Test and learn is great. I think it's important to dig into to to really dig into it quickly but you need to understand the dynamics of the market and the customer segments i think more in detail so that's one point um just before going to market i would definitely do that um i think it's also important to to leverage also working with agencies for example i was translating our product from french to german the web app for mm-hmm. real estate agencies i do think it makes sense to have an agency to look over your to help you with content creation, to look over your translations. My German is great. I mean, I lived there for 10 years, but I do think there's some subtle things, especially in, in the B2B environment that, that just an agency will grasp better just because of experience. And yeah, so that's something I would definitely do. And why not also speak to structures, agencies that have worked with companies from France, in my case, that are launching in Germany and take some experience. I think we kind of went in there a bit blindly Um, and it would have been worth it to take a bit more time. So that's a bit for the, let's say, pre-launch. And for the go-to-market, I think a few things I have in mind, I think for sure I would start SEO earlier. Um, We did the mistake to start very late and to not see the results of it at that point. So I would definitely start doing these things way before starting with prospection and starting with sales, just to build up, as we said, this famous visibility and credibility we were lacking. I think especially when you try to enter a market such as Germany, a lot of calls I made with people in the industry that have entered the German market is it's a big go big or go home market. You need to invest. You need to hire people. I was alone for six months. I think it's a shame if we had been four or five people, I think we would have gotten so much more insight out of it, Um, especially through the cold calling bit, understanding, iterating, changing the product. So I think that's important. And in my particular case, I think a big part was also addressing very big real estate networks. And I think it is important at this point for such big accounts to still hire someone that's a bit experienced and that's German speaking and that's Germany based because this person itself is going to know the market and bring more credibility, especially when talking to those to those bigger companies. I think it would have made a massive difference. Quick jump here. So you were like the whole time you were based in uh, in France then and sometimes maybe going to Germany for fairs or stuff like that? 
Exactly. Okay. So I was going to Germany probably once every two months. Um, but I think if I had even met a few of the agencies in person, which I didn't have time to do on a two-day fair, I would go to. Mm -hmm. If I had been based there or for longer, or we had had someone based there, we would have gotten more insights, I think, okay. on face-to-face -face conversations. Um, yeah. And then a few other things I think is, I think we needed to do more adapting on our product. Um, I think if you launch a market, obviously it's delicate to allocate some tech resources to it or too much because you also have your mature markets going on and you don't want to, you want to find the right balance, right? But I think we were lacking a lot of technical resources. Every time I got a lot of feedback for little features, little changes on our web app, which I think would have made a big difference, we didn't necessarily have the resources to do it. Um, and I think it's a shame. I think you need to allocate these resources to to adapt your product because it is essentially about adaptation. As you very well said, some things work very well the way it is in the mature market and some others just need to change, especially when it comes from your potential partners or your potential clients giving you that feedback. I think it's definitely worth listening to. And yeah, the last thing probably I would say is to not only rely on outbound sales, to not only rely on cold calling as your only acquisition strategy, especially in Germany, it's not something that's very well seen. I think if the pitch works well, it's something that can be great, but you need to, you need to have other, other acquisition strategies. You need to, I would have, I probably would have allocated some budget to, to do email marketing campaigns. I think those can work very well if they're well combined with cold calling, for example. So that's something I would have done. I would have spent way more time on branding partnerships, but also create content with these people, do webinars with these people, just show yourself with those branding partners that you've, that you've acquired, post on LinkedIn, have a bit more presence in that sense. And the last point I would say is, as I already said, spend more time in Germany and really do those fairs, go to all these fairs, meet all these people. If these contacts are not useful in a revenue way, these contacts are still going to give you so many insights that I got in fairs that I wish I had gotten six months earlier. So I think maybe a combination of that would have would have probably would have probably helped. So I'm gonna try to sum up what you just said because there were like a lot of insights. But what I um, I think a lot of things, a lot of things. But I'm gonna try my best here. So please correct me if I if I forgot something, which I probably had, but. Let's try it here. So you recommended basically three main points for, I would say, the pre-launch phase on that market research, uh, basically to really go deeper, not just read things, but actually carry some, what I called uh, on my side, like user research kind of interview. So like interview, like potential buyers, like potential like partners, people in your industry that will give you insights. Uh, second is to prepare this uh, test and learn, I would say, um, uh, process, just lay down your hypothesis based on the research that you made before. Third, you mentioned to leverage agency, but make sure basically that the content that is going to be used to uh, target, you know, like German contact is natively done. So don't hesitate to work with agencies if that's, uh, if you don't have, like I would say, like a native speaker from there, that's 100% uh, German. And then, obviously, you had, like, a, I would say, a, a few other points that, again, I'm going to try to summarize. If you wish you had started a, a SEO earlier, and I think we we all do, like, the first time I, I opened the U.S. market uh, three years ago, uh, 
we had the same <laughs> same conclusion. The second is to invest more and 100% agree. Like I've talked to, uh, again, like a few companies, everyone says so on, on the German market. It's really go big or go home. Don't hesitate to hire, to put some budget, right? Like to actually go to fairs because this is where you're going to really be able to assess if there's some potential there. Don't hesitate to hire like experienced people, especially if you if you go with like big accounts, uh, right? Because uh, they're going to be experienced and ideally German-based. It would be great. More adapting on the products. And this one is always tricky because, as you said, there are some some stuff to to see uh, with the, the, the HQ and, uh, and it's not always easy to get that, but definitely. Think about diversifying your acquisition strategy. So thinking about building influence right like uh, starting with with contents trying to uh, maybe uh, also do some like uh, email campaigns so growth some more like growth work and not just focusing on outbound which is always i would say the first uh, lead questions channel that's used i would say at first and uh, make sure that basically you you stick and build uh, uh, you know like a Build up upon like all the contacts you have to again, you know, like make sure that you're connected and and that you grow this uh, influence there. Is it a good summary? Did I forget anything? Absolutely well summarized. Oh. Everything I okay, said. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Great. And before going like to the last part of the of the interview, which is the oops, my bad time, I actually had a question. You going through this experience a year and a half. We know it's tough, right? Like opening, launching a market, it's tough. And now, you know, you're actually telling us not a success story, but I would say like a learning one because we always learn, right? It's not like failing. It's it's always learning. But how did you feel at the end when you had all these learnings and just saying, oh, I wish we had done that before? Did you close, you know, like the topic, like kind of happily or were you kind of bittersweet, right? Because it's still like a year and a half, right? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think it's also it's easy for me right now to say, I wish we had done that. We could have done this. I think we all learn by doing. There's If you open the German market, it's probably the first time you'll open the German market. So obviously, you don't know which difficulties you'll confront yourself to. Um, that goes for me. That goes for the company itself. Um, but how I felt afterwards, obviously bittersweet. I think it's it's very difficult to write those emails to people saying, look, we were about to close, but here we are leaving the market. This was all for nothing. I think these emails make it very bittersweet. Mm -hmm. But I think if if I look back right now, I think I learned, I learned a lot. I think hopefully also Paperness learned a lot about what to do, what not to do. And, and it was honestly very challenging. And that's entrepreneurship. I mean, I love entrepreneurship. There's startups that are built that fail. That's it's kind of part of life, right? So, so I'm happy I also made that experience uh -huh. in hindsight the ones where you also fail and you learn and yeah what I thought after that is you can only go up from here right so <laughs> basically quite positive but as I said right like just listening to you like you have so many learnings and that's what's important and who knows maybe in the future you might need it even if you don't think so right now so <laughs> I would definitely uh, exactly. I would definitely like keep that in mind but let's move now to that like station which is the oops my bad times whoops my bad. For the listeners that tune in for the first time, it's a few minutes at the end for the guests to share a big mistake done or a setback that occurred during this country's opening mission. So obviously this episode is a little bit special, but uh, Shiraz, if you have a story you haven't told us yet, right? Uh, or like something that, that, that happened that you haven't shared that could be useful um, to the listeners, now would be the time. 
Yes, of course. That was, it's actually a really hard one. Um, but one thing I can think of is, um, so I was talking to you about this web app that we have, mm -hmm. right? Where uh, real estate agencies give us the information of their mm -hmm. clients. And um, yeah, this web app, web app basically is used to give us some client data. So obviously there's a lot of GDPR rules around that, how you transmit those late data, how you get the consent of clients. So I thought obviously as GPR is Europe wide, I just adapted the product the way it was and didn't really think about it. And I realized very quickly that in France, for example, we have uh, customers just check a box saying that they're agreed with us passing on with basically their real estate agent passing on the data to Papernest. Um, in Germany, I presented that product. And I think the first 10 people I spoke to called me very unprofessional, told me that I had no idea about GDPR. It was absolutely horrible. I felt like I had no idea about what I was doing. Um, and I did quickly realize that the Germans are, GDPR is important. It's a thing. Well, it is, but for them, it's it's really a big deal. Um, but it's a good thing. And what they wanted us is basically, they wanted to have their clients literally sign either electronically or in handwriting, however the process would go, that they agreed with the data being passed on. And the fact that we did not even offer that option because I didn't even think we needed it <laughs> did not make us look very professional at all in the beginning. So, so yeah, I just have very bad memories. It was my first month or so in the company. So <laughs> it started off amazing. But uh, but no, honestly, and I think the learning from that is that GDPR is a thing to look at. I think a lot of tech businesses have this issue at some point. So look into it, read into it. Maybe it's even worth having, um, how do you say, a lawyer come freelancing for you one day that's from that country to tell you if what you're doing is right or wrong. It's definitely worth it because these are points that, yeah, that, that afterwards you'll regret a few if you don't know about them. Well, you heard it, people. If you go to Germany, make sure you're GDPR compliant because it's no joke there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Shiraz, thank you so much for all your insights today. It was very interesting to understand the story of the, of the German market. And as you said, it's just paused on the partnership. It's still on. So looking forward to hear more news about how uh, things will go better in the next few months, few years for PaperNest. Thank you. And uh, until next time, I guess. Thank you so much, Tiffen. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to not miss the next one. And please share it with two people in your network. This is how this podcast gets more visibility and can help more of us to work on international markets. See you soon.